Born to the internet on a far distant blog. Episode 7, Senpai 7. Episode 7, 7, 7. Marching to the edge of audio existence. The best damn anime podcast around. Testing. Testing. One, two, three. We're the amazing Team Rocket. It's been th- three years, but we've rebuilt the team. It's reconstructed. We're proud to announce that we're back. Giovanni, can you hear this? We finally did it. Where could the boss be, I wonder? I wonder if he heard this announcement. Shut that thing off. Hey! You and those damn saxophones. What's your problem? I was trying to contact the boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to contact the boss. <sighs> Look, give it a break. If you keep blasting that thing, someone is going to come and try and clean us out of this radio tower. Besides, Apollo's doing just fine as executive. But I- Look, my favorite radio show is coming on soon. You can pick it up after that. Okay, kid. Fine. ナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナイナ
And so when I went back, I went to that very same Walmart with that very same town memory, bought the very same game, Omega Ruby. I still have not played it because I'm a grown-up and grown-ups do that stuff. Somebody told me, yeah, if you're a grown-up, you buy things and then never play them. So that's what I'm doing. That being said, let's go straight into the news. Now this first piece here, we're all familiar with the release of when Marnie was there. We finally have some numbers on that. So looking at this here, dag nabbit I was not included. It was on my vacation previous aforementioned vacation when it came to my town here in Atlanta, so that kind of sucks. I wanted to see that. Oh well. Oh well, because I'm sure there'll be an art house studio somewhere that will have something along this line. But it's really good to see that it's doing successful, that it's doing somewhat well concerning what it is. I mean, it's a Ghibli film, not by Miyazaki. How much can you expect it to do? Yeah, four weeks, $86,000 is nothing to be excited over, but then again, this is not a domestic release. There are a lot of things you need to look into this, but long story short, the fact that they can put this into theaters, it's garnishing bright, uh, broader appeal overall, and that's something that we should really, really enjoy. Transitioning, let's talk about something very, very special. This day, right now, as of this recording, and I'll, I'll put the post on Twitter, and I'm sure you've seen it by now when this episode comes out. June 24th. Okay. The very last installment of the legendary manga Devilman came out in Shonen Magazine. Gona Guy was the creator, is the man behind the legend. And there's some news about this guy. First, let's talk about the new... Majinger, Great Majinger statue here. They got the new Great Majinger uh, DX Chogoking, and it looks great. The DX Solo Chogoking Great Majinger. They've done, they pulled out all the stops. This thing you can take off the front and see the insides, just like the ending credits of the show, which is also always a nice touch. You have the two different types of sword. The wings come on and off. You have different versions of the chest-mounted V. It, it just, this is an absolute brilliant, brilliant toy. The problem is, with it being die-cast and so brilliant, the pricing is over $400 US. That's with the current exchange rate. I doubt we'll be able to buy one. However, however, Gona Guy himself will probably be able to buy one because he has, you know, he's made money at this point. And uh, if you have a chance to look at the video when they announced it, they had the idol, Ai Shinozaki, dressed up like Majinger, and I agree with Gona Guy's comments. He basically said, yeah, why don't you dress up as Cutie Honey, because, you know, he's a dirty old man. But that being said, let's, let's talk about something else that's kind of exciting here. Cyborg 009 vs. Devilman. Now, this is kind of interesting because Shotaro Ishinomori was the creator of Cyborg 009. He was also the mentor to Gonagai as a mangaka. Basically, this is, in a way, Devilman vs. Cyborg 009. The old versus the new, the master, Shotaro Ishinomori, now remind you, is the man who has printed 
the most amount of comics in the world, the most different amount of stories, the, the, the number, more than Tezuka, Gonagai is the, the granddaddy, the, the godfather creator of the mecha genre. Without him, we would not have giant robots, not as we know it, and honestly, I hold Devilman responsible for that. So we have the show that was responsible for Sentai, Cyborg 009, the, the whole idea of a, a team of superheroes or super beings fighting evil versus Devilman, which created Mecha, as I just mentioned. So this is going to be a great, great mashup. I cannot wait to see this on the screen. It's going to be in Japanese theaters this October. bit of sad news here. Kazuya Tatakabe has passed away. He was the voice for Doraemon and he's been voicing Doraemon for a long time. It's been nearly now 35 years, 36 years and we will miss you. Kazuya. Thank you for your wonderful voice. There is a man by the name of Yuki Inoue over in Japan who is currently doing salamander art. Yes, you heard that right, salamander art. What he does is he takes the giant salamanders that Japan is known for and depicts them in what we would consider traditional Japanese art, poses, kind of as a, a postmodern movement of art focusing on salamanders, I suppose. Well, now he's done something cool. He decided he was going to do an Ultraman salamander. I'll leave a picture for you in the show notes. I mentioned Pokemon before and how affluential that has been from my childhood. Well, this is kind of cool. They released a statue of Brock. But not, okay, you're saying, okay, whatever, you know, okay, statue of Brock, whatever. No, no, no. This is Brock as his original pose back from red and green, as they call it in Japan. They didn't actually have a blue version. It was green. And so that's part of the reason we got fire red and leaf green is because there was never a blue version. That was just an American thing. However... This is badass. People kind of making fun of it on Twitter and such because Brock is freaking ripped. But it's cool because Brock assumes the same pose he did back in those original games. Now, Ken Sugimori was like, well, maybe if this does well, we can do more. Well, guess what? They just announced that they're going to be doing a Misty statue for her original pose back from the game. Now, what's really neat about this is Ken Sugimori, in response has released the original sketches. You can easily find that, of course, if you're following Ken Sugimori on Twitter. His handle is super underscore 32x. Now, this was something that kind of bugged the crap out of me, and I'm going to take some time to talk about this. A lot of people 
have gotten the Evangelion timeline confused, and I don't blame them, it's not like it's an easy thing to memorize. However, it seems to have blown up as of late. Megumi Ogata, Shinji's voice actress, yes, voice actress, she announced on her own accord that June 22nd is Evangelion Day. It's the day when all the events that occur from the series, kind of, you know, episode one, essentially, when the events of episode one take place. But the date of June 22nd is not correct. A more accurate date is probably Thursday, July 9th, given the timeline of how long Ray is in the hospital, how long certain things take, and the absences she has in school. Adding all these up, there's no way it can honestly, comfortably fit. And so, yes, it's exciting to have an Evangelion day. Unfortunately, it is incorrect. Now, I think what I'll do, as you're familiar with a hashtag I've been trying to promote here of this day in anime, this day in manga, and sometimes not a lot of the stuff happens. Sometimes we get some cool dates. For example, Dragon Ball Z, we got the date of exactly when the androids were supposed to arrive, and so this day in manga... Da, da 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 the androids came, blah, 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 perfect. And then we did it for Yamato as well, which was really cool. I think we'll need to do this. We'll need to sit down and actually properly plan out. Here is the day when such and such events happened, and here's the day when such and such events happened. And I think that would be brilliant. So let's see if we can get that off the ground. But other than that, guys, it's exciting, but just, <laughs> it's wrong. Remember back on Father's Day when I mentioned the strawberry-flavored Fist of the North Star? Well, it looks like we will be getting a TV adaptation. Yes, the parody manga for Fist of the North Star, strawberry-flavored, will be on TV coming this fall, and it will be glorious. It will be glorious. Look forward to that. Incoming One Piece news alert. So first here, we have the Guinness Book of World Records, the most copies published for the same comic book series by a single author. Ichirio Oda has now acquired that title as holder for the most copies published in the same comic book series by a single author. Congratulations, Mr. Oda. Congratulations. The amount of copies is staggering, I will not even give a number because it's going to be outdated the second I say it, but long story short, One Piece is now the most popular comic book in the entire world, simply by, by numbers. Now, to celebrate this, the coolest thing that Suecia has ever done, they released the original 1997 issue of Shonen Jump, Weekly Shonen Jump, the entire issue, number 34 up on Shonen Jump Plus, that's their, their reading app, for anyone and everyone to view, enjoy, and to partake, because it contains the beginning of One Piece. Now, I'm assuming to celebrate this, Mr. Oda decided he was going to throw a block party. And we got photos of that, oh yes we did, and it was hilarious, and I definitely check that out if you get the chance. In more anime news, you guys have been hearing a lot about Yokai Watch. It seems to be quickly gaining ground as one of the, the more beloved game franchise. We've mentioned Pokemon, 
mentioned One Piece and Dragon Ball, well, it looks like Yokai Watch will soon be taking its ranks among them as it is coming to America on Disney XD. Now, this looks like it's going to be 26 episodes from what we're going to get, and we even have a trailer in English for the actual anime. Now, those of you who may be aware, we're getting the game sometime here soon, and I'm definitely going to be checking this out. Luckily, this will not be brought over by 4Kids Entertainment. Densetsu Entertainment USA will be handling this, so it might get a little bit better treatment. I'm not quite sure how well the, the whole concept of yokai will translate over for an American audience, but uh, I think this is a good thing. I'm excited to see another game series, and Pokemon, for its money's worth, has always been great. I'm really enjoying X and Y at this moment. But sometimes it can feel stagnant, sometimes it feels like it is just the same song and dance, and that can be okay. That's sometimes how game franchises are. You know, you, if you don't get the same thing to some degree, then it's not really a franchise, it's kind of a different game at that point. But, point being, we are now getting it here in America, and we'll see how well the yokai can, in, can inhabit our world here in the West. Your fiction, your fiction, take it from from me. Ask me all to you when to make yourself a hero. Your fiction, your fiction, your fiction. Ask me all to you when to make yourself a hero. That being said, I'm very excited because today, over in Japan, we got Persona 4 Dancing All Night. Just a quick mention of that. Also, we got the first trailer for Dragon Ball Super Dragon Ball Cho. We finally got it, and it is glorious, glorious, glorious. Of course, it'll be out soon, very, very soon by the time you're listening to this show. I cannot wait for the first episode because it will be the first time that everybody is is on the same page for Dragon Ball. There's no prior there's no prior manga, anime, there's nothing to this. We're all going to be on the same page worldwide because of the age we're in. It's going to be a global event. And I just I can tell you the Twitter sphere is going to explode. They will not be able to contain the amount of Kamehameha's and and Super Saiyan goodness that is bound to be included in this we have rumors over in europe about it being 100 episodes long and i don't know if that's even going to be true it sounds like bullshit because to me they typically go by over in japan they go by a couple things they either go by seasons which would be 12 episodes 13 episodes or they go by a double season which would be the 24 or the 26 episode range, sometimes as low as 20 or 22. And then you just have the year, which is 48 to 52, 54 episodes. Now, putting that in perspective, okay, well, 100 episodes, that's like two years, right? Well, yes and no. That would mean that they're doing 50 episodes, which is a little bit on the low side for a year. Usually you have, you know... 52, 54, sometimes you have 48, as I mentioned, so it is possible that they're doing 50 episodes each year, but to kind of plan out for two years, that doesn't seem, it doesn't seem about right to me, but, well, hey, I'm not complaining, if we do get 100 episodes, that would be great. Every year, 
over in Britain, they have a survey for the quality of life on all these different cities, you know, whole world over. The only one in America, unfortunately, was Portland, and that ranked at 25, which, as I understand from reading this article, uh, was dropping a couple positions because of real estate prices going up. And it looks like Tokyo has finally beaten out Copenhagen as the top city to live in. There are a lot of problems right now in Tokyo, but I'm glad to see that at least the quality of life is bearable. This last piece of news is a little bit older, but I dug it up for one specific reason because it has exactly to do with what we're going to be talking about today. This October will mark the anniversary of the band Grand Rodeo. Now, you're probably familiar with Grand Rodeo. If you're not, well then, just hold on to this next segment. But basically, they are offering a very special deal, or not, for their female fans who are going to be in the premium the front row seats. Swimwear required. They even have a picture of exactly what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Can't be too skimpy, can't be too covering, has to be just right. Yeah, that's Grand Rodeo for ya. Now, that being said, that is our news. We have now basically covered everything that happened the past two weeks. Yes, I specifically did not mention E3 because we would be here all day. Long story short, Yes, I saw the new Phantom Pain. Yes. Les Infants Terribles. And we also have new Fallout, Fallout 4. That looks absolutely brilliant. So I'm just going to announce it right now, guys. Come September, when Metal Gear Solid 5 Phantom Pain comes out, there will be no podcasting for the entire month. I'm just going to announce that right here, right now. I'm not going to try and hold myself to a standard. I want to beat that game. It will be the first time I'll have a Metal Gear game on time with everyone else and be able to play it. I'm going to take advantage of this because you have no idea how hard it was trying to avoid spoilers for 4. So I'm just letting you guys know right now, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. Every dog deserves its day. You can afford a couple podcasts while daddy's playing his Metal Gear. It's not an issue. And then, of course, Fallout comes out in November. Fallout is a longer paced game, so I might have to actually break myself away from that. I might actually have to buy a new PC in order to be able to play that thing. At least it's not The Witcher. I haven't even touched The Witcher, actually, to be 100% honest with you, because it's only on next-gen systems. I don't want to buy PS4 as of yet. I kind of want to live in PS3 land as long as I can, because it's cheaper. But anyway, that's another story. I, I promised I wouldn't talk about E3, but this week... We're going to take a different type of of everything, really. It's not going to be your typical show. I've been pondering long and hard about this when I was on the car ride. How would I introduce somebody to Japanese music? Because I don't want this to be just, oh, here's an anime, you should watch this anime, or here's a manga, you should read this manga. I kind of want to introduce people to newer things in the same sphere that help give context, that help allow people to understand exactly what it is I, I love so much about this medium is the fact that it's just one aspect of a very broad painting. You know, you can look, if we make a Bob Ross reference, you can look at the happy trees. Not a problem. But it's the whole background that make the happy trees so happy. 
And so I'm trying to look into the background here, and I, you know, honestly, I'm just going to flat up be honest with you guys. I want to review Kuroko no Basket. But the problem is, in order to do that, I had to talk about Grand Rodeo. And so this episode is going to be a very different episode. I'm going to introduce you to a lot of music. And so we're going to be listening with our ears and our hearts to the passion that is Grand Rodeo. <laughs> Now, chances are, if you're an anime fan, you are familiar with the band Grand Rodeo. It simply boils down to that. Now, a lot of their songs, a lot of their albums contain at least one, two, at the minimum, different themes for anime. I know in particular, their first album contained nearly six. But anyway, Grand Rodeo is an awesome band, just period. I would not be taking the time to speak about them, introducing you to them, if they were not worth it. It's comprised primarily of two people with kind of like a ghost third. It's kind of like the generation of music with uh, Kuroko being the bassist. But we have the vocalist, Kisho Taneyama. And a lot of you are actually probably familiar with this guy as well. After all, he did this. Kitan from Gurren Lagan. He's also voiced in Kurokono Basket. Well, well, Tiger. What a surprise to find you here. You don't look surprised at all. Keeping the usual poker face. I ain't keeping a poker face. It's my nature. Oh. Is it uh, Himuro? Kagami's friend? Ah, Nihongo de Daijobu. And he's played countless other roles where he plays, you guessed it, a musician. Kisho originally was a voice actor, but somewhere along the line decided, you know what, I'm going to take the high road and become a singer. And so... Some other cool facts, and unfortunately, I could not get a sound clip. Kisho is actually the Japanese dubbing voice for Fred Jones, Freddy, from Scooby-Doo. This guy has quite an impressive biography when it comes to the amount of characters that he's played, but generally he cites Metallica, Megadeth, and Anthrax, all American heavy metal bands, thrash heavy metal bands at that, as being his influences. Now, Kisho doesn't actually play any instruments in Grand Rodeo, except his voice is absolutely... It, it's kind of like, I want you to imagine Frank Sinatra trying to sing heavy metal. He has this sort of 
of smoothness quality. This is his quality of, of smoothness in his vibrato. It's very tight and powerful. It's like a professional boxer jabbing you to the face multiple times. Very passionate man, and his lyrics, nine times out of ten, are, are pretty, pretty damn good. But no singer, or voice actor in this case, can be good without you know, a backing guitarist. And for that, we go to Masaki Izuka, also known as Izuka. Now, Izuka doesn't have quite the spread that his buddy Kisho does. However, this does not mean count him out. Half the songs, Grand Rodeo focus on super fast guitar playing it, and honestly i'm just going to put this out there right now izuka to me uh, looking a lot at hmm, looking at grand rodeo a lot of their riffs a lot of their style the way they play and hold themselves reminds me a lot of led zeppelin there's actually quite a few songs i'm going to point out to you today as we go through this kisho to me gets a sound that's very similar to robert plant but he doesn't sound like Plant, and they don't perform blues too, too often. But Izuka, the way he plays, reminds me a lot of that Jimmy Page style. But I'm pretty sure the man can play pretty much anything, and we'll get some awesome riffs, some awesome, awesome openings. One thing that Grand Rodeo loves to do is give you this, this opening where you, you can't help but say, what did I just hear, and start the track all over again, and you're only 10 seconds into it, simply because it is that amazing. But just as Izuka is just as amazing, we have our third man in the shadows. He goes by the name of Iko. And some of you may recognize that from the progressive rock band Lapras Lazui. He's also known for some of the songs in Guilty Gear. He has also played the bass for the Abingdon Boys School. So most of you are probably familiar with that as being the band who performed the opening theme for Darker Than Black. He's a bassist, and he also worked on Guilty Gear, and he's been in a progressive band. Now one thing I want you to know is that progressive bassists are really, really good. Think of Iron Maiden for you metal fans out there. You might find this kind of in a similar vein where Steve Harris is playing the lead bass, basically. He plays the bass in such a way where it performs like a lead guitar and it holds the song together but also drives the song forward. And Iko is very familiar with this style, I dare say. A lot of times what will happen is you'll be listening to a song and you'll be grooving along, stealth-like, but still you can feel the presence because the bass has such a, of course, a deep tone, but because it has such a fat tone as well that you can constantly at least hear the tone, not necessarily individual plucking, but you can hear the tone even over guitar and vocals, and then sometimes they'll even do isolation where they quiet everything down and the bass is the only thing playing, and then it'll do something amazing, you know, like some, some Orion-type Cliff Burton stuff, or they'll even do a soaring lead with the bass where it just... You have Kisho singing, and you have Izuka playing this wonderful melody, and the bass will just soar, boom, like an eagle, literally, over the entire song, and you can hear it, you can feel it, and I personally, that is one of my favorite aspects of music, is being able to hear the bass, and the bass move the song along. 
But with that said, they've released a couple albums here, Grand Rodeo has, and we're going to be talking about the very first one. That would be Ride on the Edge. Ride on the Edge has quite a few anime themes, as I mentioned before. It's got at least five or six of them here. Um, one in particular that I really, really enjoyed was Infinite Love because I felt it was different from everything else on the album. However, I figured most people here are going to be familiar with that song as it was the opening theme for Koisuru Tenshi Angelique. And so I figured, well, let's, let's change it up a little bit here. What is a good song that people can listen to that gets the feel of this album? Because a lot of this I'm, I'm sure people have already have already been familiarized with. One in particular I was thinking of was what well what about Mistake? And Mistake is a great is a great track that takes place right after Vanessa. Vanessa is essentially when Kisho, being a voice actor, gets a call in English or English, and he's trying to respond, but doesn't know enough English to to quite do so properly. And at the very end, he just says, Uh, my name is Kisho! And she's like, Oh, sorry, young man. I made a mistake. And they transition right into the song. And that's something Grand Rodeo, I want to get out of the way real quick, is great at doing. Are there transitions? As well as setups for different songs. They'll have a couple tracks on an album, which are not music. It's just simply kind of like a, like a little bit of an audio drama, a little bit of this, Okay, we're going to set up the song and kind of get a bigger feel for it and it works and there's one in particular on the next album I want you to hear because it really super reminds me of, of Zeppelin but however for this particular album I felt the track Kenzen Nahono was the perfect way to capitalize the mood and the feel of what is right on the edge <laughs> This song has a really, really, really great vocal track where Kisho is singing two separate octaves at a certain point in the song where he sings a typical lyric and you can hear it, but if you pay attention, there's a subtle, I don't want to say under track, but he is singing the, the octave one higher than that for the same vocal, which gives it a more piercing quality, especially since he opens up the song with a screaming vibrato which just adds to the passion that we're so familiar with hearing. Now, Izuka in this, that guitar riff will whip you around. It jumps back and forth between two notes before suddenly going 
down three steps. Da, da, da. And what ends up happening with that is it creates this expectation of going back and forth, back and forth, and then just <clears throat> that release of that second riff, even though it's only played once in a while, is super powerful. Very, very powerful. And in particular, the bass. The bass is playing as fast as it can. It's like a, it's kind of like a, a freight train smashing through everything that's happening right now and it just works and then it has even a couple parts here where you can hear the soaring lead of that bass as I mentioned before this is a very great example of that this for me is signature Grand Rodeo So that more or less encompasses, in my mind, Ride on the Edge. It's a good album, but I'm just afraid most of you have heard it since, as I said, Grand Rodeo's earlier stuff, they did a lot of anime themes, and that also holds true for their next album, Instinct. Now Instinct, for me, to be 100% honest, is, is a very close album to my heart for a couple reasons. One, it is probably the first instance I have heard Grand Rodeo if not very, very darn close to the second. That track, of course, would be Heaven, with a Kotetsus and Jig. Heaven is a really great song, and I would love to sit and have everyone listen to it if they haven't already. Unfortunately, this style that they play in is later capitalized in another song that we're all going to have to sit down and listen to, which will be Modern Strange Cowboy, the opening theme for Needless, but that's another topic. Instinct... I felt like they had developed a little bit more of a sense of self. They had now more to play with, more to more space to, to really work with in such a way that they could utilize that to make a grander, more important song. Not that, again, not that Ride on the Edge was a bad album. It was just, it was a first album. And so unfortunately what happens in the first album is we're all trying to learn how to work together. We're trying to work in such a way that no one's stepping on each other's toes. We can all... You're just trying to find yourself. A first album for a band to be cut and to be amazingly good and last the ages is very difficult. Very few bands even accomplish that. Even amongst the bands that are really, really, really good. And even amongst them, most of the time they've been working together and other projects, this, that, the other thing, beforehand. So... All things considered, like I said, Right on the Edge is a very strong, strong album. I just want to make sure that people are listening to all the different songs that Grand Rodeo has to offer. And that's where Instinct comes in. That's where it is super, super strong. My pick, besides being heaven for, for nostalgic reasons, there are two tracks on here, three tracks on here, my mistake. There are three tracks on here that are just absolutely worth your time. The first is going to be Cannonball.
this particular song, the bass takes a step back and just kind of grooves in, into the main riff for the guitar. And that's not a bad thing. Again, sometimes knowing when to play something is more important than actually playing it. In this case though, Izuka lets out an amazing, amazing riff here where it's not technically heavy metal. It's kind of got a little bit of a skittle to it, a little bit of, of a disco feel going on. And he makes it work and then brings it in to that hard rock feel that we are so familiar with with Grand Rodeo. But what I really liked about this song, besides being a very strong riff, the chorus is very vocal driven, what I really enjoyed was the section where Kisho is just singing and then he's speaking in the background, which the man has an amazing voice. There's a reason why he's a voice actor, there's a reason why he's a singer. But Izuka goes back to that original scuttle, that, that little bit of that disco track feel, all while Kisho is singing. And it just comes across amazingly, especially when the bass picks back up, because it had stopped at that point. And when it picks right back up, it has such a... It reminds me of like those rapid popping sounds of a motorcycle. It has that same type of quality to it where you can tell there's power behind it, but just because the engine is making the same sound in top gear does not necessarily indicate that it's not running. And so this song I thought was a very powerful way of demonstrating the new Grand Rodeo. It is very, very powerful, not quite as whiplash intensive as our previous track of uh, Kenzen na Hono, but still a nice fun track you can really jam to, especially if you're driving along with a top down. Now the next song, and this is where you really start to see, or where I really start to feel, that it is proper to call Grand Rodeo the Led Zeppelin of Japan. And this track I point to, I will continue to point to, as long as anyone questions that. The track's name is Instinct. It is the title track for this album, and it is just an instrumental. It doesn't actually really have any lyrics or any, you know, calling it an instrumental would kind of be not an overstatement, but would, would disservice it. It is not, it's a preparatory track, okay? It's, it's getting you ramped up to go into Aisubeki Stupid, which is, again, a really, really good song, has a nice riff. Unfortunately, we don't have the time to listen to it today, but Instinct opens up with a super, super fat guitar sound. And we're used to Izuka using a bright guitar sound. <laughs> has a, more of a treble effect to it versus bass. Now, when you're using a warm guitar effect, it has more of a, a embracing 
type sound versus piercing. And in this case, it sounds very fat when you add in the effects pedal of the echo. Of course, that echo, that same echo is applied to Kisho's voice, and Kisho just lets it rip. But of course, they take his vocals and they put it just sounding like it's almost in the background, but it does, again, encompass you. That is the warm sound of, of a guitar. That is the warm sound on the vocal. And it just sounds so incredibly warm until the point where Kisho is so powerful that even though it is a warm effect, it becomes a bright effect. has such a range and you can hear it here i remember robert plant he had such a range and he would often do this this wail jimmy page described it as a primordial wail that was just so freaking powerful that he had to have him as a vocalist and that feeling persists right here it's only one minute long but instinct does a really good job at proving exactly how amazingly tight-knit now the band has become, even though it contains no bass. This last song is, is, has quite a bit of length to it, but I want to include it for a reason. Grand Rodeo, whenever they introduce horns, that is brass, into their music, has always been successful in my mind. And this is the first case of that. This is the song I almost chose to be the opening theme. Now, you know the opening theme is actually Koi no Heatwave, and I absolutely love that song. A beautiful world. I listened to it the first time, and it, it took me. And I was like, wow, that song has such an inspiring hope to it. And the opening with that with that brass is just such a powerful tool to lifting anyone's spirit. For a while there, I would listen to this song whenever I was down in the dumps or blue or anything like that. And then, of course, Keisha's vocals come right in and hit you like a ton of bricks. And I want to listen to that and just remember, there was a reason I almost chose this for the opening theme. And hey, maybe further down the line we can always make a guest spot.
Now, coming into 2009, we have Brush the Scar Lemon. We're seeing now more original works by Grand Rodeo, more original songs, that is, and fewer songs being used for actual TV anime openings. And Grand Rodeo is now starting to take the form of a band that does music versus a band that, that primarily depends on anime themes. In particular, this album has Modern Strange Cowboy, and just to speak on that, that song is probably the song that most people are familiar with Grand Rodeo for, and I'm glad, because that song is amazing. The bass is so freaking powerful, and it soars, literally taking you, it is like a jet. <laughs> There's no way you can possibly reach it. By the time you hear it and see it, it's already gone. It is just such an amazing, amazing bass line on there. The guitar, Izuka, has the most powerful ability in the entire world for all guitarists. He can play anything, but that's not it. He knows when to play it. He has the wisdom to know when to play it. Too often, guitarists, they'll play it because they can and then they get away with it because it sounds good, but it's not about being able to play it and make it sound good. It's about being able to convey an emotion. That's what music really is, right? It's meant to inspire certain emotions, certain ideas. It's, it's a method of conveying oneself, or in this case, the ideas and, and thoughts of a band. Modern Strange Cowboy does a really, 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 really good job at conveying that underdog we will make it, we, will, we, we can do this type feel because Izuka's guitar. He plays, but adds, but leaves plenty of room for Kisho to hit the ceiling with his vocals. And then the bass, of course, is what really drives the song, keeping it going with such a, a passionate fury. And of course, Kisho lends the, the song its soul where you can almost feel the underdog tones of we can do this, as I mentioned, and brilliant lyrics, brilliant lyrics, and unfortunately it was squandered on Needless. Um, that show sucked, but anyway. Going into the album, Canary. Brush the Scar Lemon overall has a really great feel, and Canary does an awesome job at opening that. It has this well-rounded type of con You feel like you've attended a concert, really is the best way to put it, where you can hear the slow songs from a band, you can hear the hard songs from a band, and you can hear everything in between. And Brush the Scar Lemon, in my mind, is really where Grand Rodeo, although having really successful hits, very successful albums, prior to this, stands up on its own two feet and yells, I can no longer be ignored, and Canary does that.
Now, Canary was used as the first opening theme to the anime of Senyu, but I'm not sure if anyone watched that, and so I think it's still worth talking about. It's not the greatest showcase of Izuka's guitar virtuoso, but it does have a very nice jam quality to it. What is really good here is that distinct bass line. That bass line that is constantly propelling the song forward, you can always hear it at any point. You just have to listen for it. Now, Canary is a really good showcase of Kisho's vocal vocals. His range and how he applies it is amazing. And that's why Canary is just such a great opening for this album. Now the track I wanted to highlight most besides of course Canary, Cowboy, Rush of Scar Lemon, the actual titular track is pr a pretty good a pretty good pick as well. However, I felt that what had already been accomplished in Cannonball outdid Brush of Scar Lemon. Not saying that Brush of Scar Lemon of course is a bad song, it's just in order to kind of kind of give you a more rounded feel, I decided to pick Passion. Now, to this point, the ballad was not something that Grand Rodeo had really done well. They had tried, but had never really been able to pull it off. They always felt like it was lacking something. And so what they decided to do here with Passion is try and mix the two. Try and mix the idea of a, a rock ballad with what they had learned with Modern Strange Cowboy. And it works. Passion is literally just that. It's, it's a passionate song. But it's not like, oh, we're going to go in and blare our guitars, have a bass line that is so deep and, and heavy that no one can hear us, and the vocals will be screaming. It's actually quite the opposite. Keisha reserves himself for a lot of it, and the guitar is just passionate, but it's almost like a quiet passion. It's almost like a, a, a hope. course that's the impression that I get when Kisho is using his reserved vocals he's, he's more relaxed here and that's a good thing because too often an artist can just go all out and then you hear the same thing over and over and over again right but this is a ballad with that that stereotypical 4-4 or 2-2 time stamp on it um, Grand Rodeo likes to use those even signatures the time signatures to propel their their music forward most definitely they enjoy a 4-4 the full measure uh the full four beats per measure 
and it adds to it's a, it's a very easy sound for someone to enjoy it's a very easy sound for people to listen to as opposed to like some progressive bands that will use seven eights or something ridiculous like that um but in in any of their songs that they're trying to get a sense of it's being rushed again they use two two which kind of allows you to do a little bit less but in this case because it's faster it feels like they're fitting more in but it's really just a full measure broken down but my point is the same this particular song is that 4-4 the ballad mixed with a little bit of the the freight train tenacity that they have and you can see that in the chorus and the chorus is what really really pushes the song along And that's why Passion, I feel like, is probably the best ballad at this point that Grand Rodeo has ever performed. And it's a great way of describing just what Brush, the Scar Lemon, is about as an album. I have mentioned multiple times that Grand Rodeo, in a lot of ways, is just like the Japanese Led Zeppelin. And this album, Supernova, which came out in 2011, exactly proves this point. Izuka decides to put his foot down and says, you know what, Kisho, I gotta prove to them I can play anything. And that's basically what he does. The opening track, Seed Blaster, I'm honestly surprised this was not an opening for any anime because it is so freaking powerful it's not even funny i mean i keep using that word powerful but that's just the best way to describe it it's kind of like that scene in yu yu Hakusho where yusuke finds out toguro's true strength and you're just sitting there going uh 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 impossible <laughs> Exactly that. Seed Blaster starts with giving you a nice little riff, dumping it, picking it back up with arpeggios, and then just giving you a riff to remember. And Kisho decides, you know what, in order to keep up, he just decides to go Super Saiyan on our asses and just absolutely lets out this belt. And it, it's, it's awesome. It's a really good way of showing just how powerful this band has become. They now are on their fourth album, and... 
they're 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 showing us this is how you do it. But the cool thing about Seed Blaster that I really enjoyed, Kisho and Izuka at this point, you can feel they have a bond, and you can feel it through the music. Because what happens is, even though Izuka is playing the guitar in such a way where it's Jimmy Page-ish, he, he takes a step back. It's almost as if he smiles and looks at Kisho and says, your turn, buddy. Not in a competitive type way, it feels like they're working together, but letting each other take the lead where their strengths are. So Kisho gets the wonderful moment to showcase his vocals, while Izuka has the wonderful moment to play anything in the entire world he wants. And the awesome thing about it is through it all, we have that tight groove bass. That tight groove bass is just so amazing, it's not even funny. Now, you've noticed I've not spoken about the drums at all. This entire show thus far, yeah, there's a reason for that. It, it, it's 4-4. Four, four. I mean, the drums aren't bad, but the drums are there for filler. Just to allow everyone else to keep beat, and that's all you need. Because if you had anything else, this band would not be fair. Supernova. In order to speak about that properly, you have to really understand, for a while now, in these last couple albums, Grand Rodeo has been trying to experiment with their sound, try and do something a little bit different, and the titular track, Supernova, is kind of just that. This is the first time I'd actually heard an openly dissonant sound from Izuka's guitar, and it, it just, that is really what makes the song pop, what makes the song so good is that riff that Izuka comes up where he plays his, his, you know, it sounds like a stereotypical riff, your standard riff, and then he goes dissonant on you. like as if you were to add some strange ingredient to a dish that you would you would never think of adding it to like adding strawberries to I don't know uh, spaghetti and meatballs or something you would expect you instantly say ew that sounds gross or whatever but here's the thing for some reason it just freaking works oh, so 
like that strange ingredient it just enhances the dish in a way that you wouldn't think was possible i would not think of grand rodeo producing a song like this and that's why i was so surprised when i heard supernova how great it was <laughs> In 2012, we saw Crackstar Flash. Now, it's kind of a toss-up for me between Crackstar Flash and Supernova, which exactly is the best uh, out of all of these albums. Now, people are probably very familiar with Crackstar Flash because a lot of these songs came out in either singles or came out as singles attached to anime opening themes, most notably we have Kuroko no Basket. Now, Can Do and Rimfire were essentially the songs that we had in Kuroko no Basket, but I want to talk about Crackstar Flash, the titular track. We get it right off the bat. It is an explosion. It is a crack, a falling star, and boom, just flashes before your eyes. That's the most cheesy but the most ample description I can give you of this song. It is just... It feels like an earthquake, but it's an earthquake that you're kind of just enjoying. It is, it's almost like a ride. <laughs> been on a roller coaster and it feels like at any moment you could fall out but the centrifugal force keeps you in and of course I mean you're strapped in but you get what I'm saying it feels like at any moment you're gonna fall out and go flying into the clouds or something of that nature and then boom plant into the ground face first that's exactly how the song feels it feels like at any moment you could fall out and plant face first however the centrifugal force behind this song keeps you firmly rooted in your seat it's not even funny <laughs> This album, again, showcases just how amazing Izuka can be when it comes to playing something different than what we're used to. 
Now, Merry Go Round is a track on here. Very experimental, and I've come to enjoy the experimental tracks from, from Grand Road. When I say experimental, I'm not saying like computer chirps and then all of a sudden, you know, some weird whiny vocals from West Africa or something that no one can understand. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's experimental in that sense. What I'm saying is it's a new sound that Grand Rodeo hasn't really played with. For example, a riff with the guitar accompanied by a chorus of bagpipes. perhaps some Middle Eastern sounding sitar as we slowly groove into the song and then of course your stereotypical nearly progressive though I must state nearly progressive beat when it comes to merry-go-round I enjoy it Urban Sweet was worth talking about simply because too many times bands don't know when to allow space for each other. And the great part about this is the sense of space is just so broad. It swaps between Kisho's vocals and so you'll have a riff and then you'll have Kisho's vocals and it's just the swapping between the two is it just they allow each other the space to do what they need to do. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And the bass does not let up. The bassist knows he's not technically part of Grand Rodeo, and that's why I keep calling him the bassist, or referring to it as the bass even though Iko is an amazing musician. But the bond that you can feel between Kisho and Izuka is just... It, it transcends into their music. And the bassist knows when to take a step back and just do his thing. And that's why this band is so great, as I feel like egos will never get in the way. I don't feel like there is any ego in this band, I feel like it's really just about the music. Kisho was a successful, is a successful voice actor. And he still feels like music is his calling, is his thing. I mean, this band is so freaking popular they can literally hold segregated concerts. Yes. They'll hold concerts especially for boys and then specifically for girls in the same venue, two different dates, and still be perfectly successful. I mean, I don't think egos are going to be getting in the way anytime soon, but Urban Sweet is a very nice track to showcase 
the lack of ego that they have over each other. Let's talk about the best ballad that Grand Rodeo has ever done. It's Kibo no Kanatai. It is perhaps the most amazing song on this album, simply because you are not expecting it. You listen to this entire thing expecting for ball-breaking guitar riffs, soaring leads from the bass, and vocals that will just make you want to turn into freaking Kenshiro. Kibo no Kanatae again utilizes space, allowing everyone to, to, to function. The guitar is now instead of trying to drive the song, even though it does a good job at, at moving the song forward, is now kind of like a partner with Kisho's vocals. And then when it finally comes to the chorus, Kisho lets out, and the rest of the band just kind of lets it. This song stands on Kisho's vocals, and that is the strongest way to perform a ballad. It all depends on the singer, on the vocalist, and Kisho is the man to do it. Okay, last album came out in 2014. Karma to Labyrinth, amazing, amazing stuff. I have to mention, I'm sorry. For me, the best Grand Rodeo song, The Other Self. It's, it is better than Modern Strange Cowboy, I'm sorry. But this song has such a, a sense of hope to it, but at the same time, 
it's so rocking. Voicing on the guitar here, he plays the vocal line, and it sounds great, but he knows when to do it and when not to do it, and when to allow Kisho to sing, and the bass literally knows when to come in and, and prop these two up. The bass now is like a mountain that these two can stand on. However, we're not going to be talking much more about the other self because everyone has heard it as being the opening theme for Kurokono Basket in season two. I want to actually talk about two songs, the first being Pink Phantom. <laughs> Phantom is kind of a, a lamentful groove that they have going on there, and I absolutely enjoy it for that. The cool thing is, the guitars have now returned to the bright sound that we're used to with Izuka, and that gives plenty of space for the very, very warm and fat bass. So now the guitar and the bass sound distinctly different and unique, and they're both grooving. The bass is all over the place. That bass must be have like hands literally you know with a, a span of 12 inches long I don't know how the man does it and then at the same time Kisho is kind of just standing in the center as literally this intricate dance between bass and guitar is going on around him and it, it, it just sounds absolutely beautiful <laughs> The cake goes to Wonder Color. The cake goes to Wonder Color, the track right after it. I'm surprised this was not an opening theme to freaking like Lupin the Third. Literally, this track is 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 amazing how i don't know how people can can listen to this and not get out of their seat and start dancing because i know i have that problem so i don't listen to this music at work basically but it grooves with as much class as loop on the third the guitar 
It has a percussive sound as you get a little bit of that skittle going on. It is more important than the drums. Easily more important than the drums when it comes to keeping the beat. And then of course the bass locks right in and just decides to hum along but never fades into the background. It demands that you hear it. And then Kisho is like, okay, puts on his fancy pants, straightens his tie, and just decides to go a more relaxed vocal. It's really hard to imagine the band playing the song without a smile on their face. In fact, you can almost hear the smile through the music, and that's what makes it so great. You just absolutely have to smile when listening to this song. beat, a fast pace, and yet all band members are distinct in what they're playing and what they're vocalizing, and at the same time, it all works as this amazing song that I, I, I'm just giggling thinking about it. That's how happy this song is. It's just absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Now, before I let you go, we do have to talk about a couple songs here. Of course, there's always Koi no Heatwave, the opening theme for Senpai Coast to Coast. But then there's also a couple of tracks I thought were really interesting in the aspect of what makes Grand Rodeo Grand Rodeo. For those of you who may have watched Gundam, especially those three films, the very end, the ending theme, Encounters is a very iconic song for Gundam fans, almost as iconic as Ai Senshi, or Soldiers of Sorrow. There was a Gundam tribute album by Lantis, the record label that Grand Rodeo belonged to at the time, and they were assigned a task, amongst many other people who were <laughs> overly qualified, such as Hiro Inobu Kageyama, to do a cover for Encounters. And that is perhaps one of the most amazing versions of Encounters I've ever heard. Yeah. 
make sure you buy the album because that album is chock full of some great Gundam covers. But in particular, I want to speak about the new single that was released, Funky Punky Love, right? I don't want to talk about Funky Punky Love. It's a great song. I know you've heard it because you're watching Kurokono Basket like I am. I want to talk about the second track on that. Goes by the name of Suyoko no Rinkaku. That song, the guitar on there, there's no, there's no rivaling it. I mean, how do you, how do you even do something like that? If I were to take this song and place it right next to Modern Strange Cowboy, I don't know if you would believe me if I were to tell you this was the same band. Now granted, maybe the vocalist sounds pretty similar, so yeah, you would you would catch on, but my point is the same. This song is so amazing, I can listen to it instrumental. And I don't listen to many Grand Rodeo songs instrumental simply because I feel Kisho is just a overly valuable aspect to the band. Basically, I think this song is better. It may be the best song on the entire single. And I'm surprised this isn't the opening theme to something because it's got, boom, that, that groove. Gotta, gotta walk down the street while I'm, you know, kind of that 50 cent swagger, that John Travolta dancing going on there. It just is such an amazing, I don't, it's just a pickup drop, drop pickup. It just, the bass is picking up exactly what Izuka is dropping. And Izuka is picking up anything he freaking wants to because he can. And because he knows when to play it. And so Kisho decides to take a little bit of a, of a back step. It's not a ballad by any means. It is a groove. And I love that disco sounding guitar that Izuka absolutely locks in and just shows us he can do it because he is the Japanese Jimmy Page. <laughs> With that, that is Grand Rodeo. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this amazing band because that is exactly what they are, is an amazing band. And there's no way you'll be able to listen to everything here. I literally had to cut half the stuff I want to show out <laughs> in, order, in order to give you an ample, to give you a suitable description of exactly what Grand Rodeo is. I had to cut half of the stuff out. But you know what? 
that's okay. Because this band deserves your attention. And quite frankly, I'll be surprised if I don't get somebody knocking on my door asking, hey, where can I pick up these albums? So, Grand Rodeo, get their stuff. You will not regret it. You will not regret it. And I'll see you on the other side for the Oricon Top 10. Testing? Testing one, two, three? Where the I amazing I told you team to turn on? that thing off. Here comes the Oricon Top 10. Everybody needs some music. Everybody needs some music. And welcome back to the Oricon Top 10. The best part about this segment is it doesn't matter how many weeks pass, there's always new music. And I was thinking with the length of this episode, you know what, why don't we just cut past the Oricon, we've heard enough music and just call it a day. But no, that would completely undermine everything about this episode. And so we are going to hold through and power through with number 10, a personal favorite of mine. He's been on the charts for three weeks now. It's Sun by Gen Hoshio. <laughs> Motohiro Hata with his new single Suicide no Suki. Holding on again for two weeks, we have Haru Modoki by Nagi Yanagi. <laughs> Seven. First week on the charts, we have Kastomi Z with Requiem. <laughs> Yeah. 
Number six, a familiar face. Kuroko no Basket's new single, Memories by Grand Rodeo. Coming in at number five, we have Summertime by Two. Oh, summertime. On the charts for two weeks, maintaining its position at number four, we have Aimer, Brave Shy. Number three, Utano Prince Sama Maji Love Revolutions by Shotaro Morikubo. We can fly. Utano Senpa, Odono Senpa, Yume o Sake de Revolution, Kisoshiyo Senpa, Tsunano Senpa, Date Janai de Ai no Chikara, and holding on to the number two position for four weeks in a row, we have Mogutachiwa Tatakawanai by AKB48. single holding in at position number one we have Siyoku 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 by Kanjani 8. There you have it, folks. There the Oricon Top 10. Some pretty good picks this week, I must say. But uh, then again, we have been gone for two weeks, so all of these are brand new. With the exception of Maji Love, I don't know how that song is just... It's got like a freaking death grip, I don't know. But either way, that's how the cookie crumbles.
So I want to say thank you to everyone and anyone for listening to the show. I know this was a, a, a new form of Senpai Coast to Coast that you may not have been aware of. I also know that this is a, a new style that I actually have never really experimented with in a long time of all my career of podcasting. Career? Is that too distinguished? But anyway, I guess my point is, this was a new trip for me. And I thought long and hard about how to do this episode, how to make it special, how to make it sound great. I don't know if it was great for you, but it was for me. And I'm glad that I did this show. And hopefully you heard some new music and are excited to get into a brand new band. If you want to say thank you or you want to ask for new music suggestions, you could always contact me on the blog. That's senpaicoasttocoast.wordpress.com. You can also email me at senpaicoasttocoast, that's the number two, at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter. It's Josh underscore Dunham. That's D-U-N-H-A-M. I'm always talking about some sort of show. In fact, recently I've been hitting up a lot of Kurokono Basket, and um, I need to catch up on my Legend of the Galactic Heroes group watch. I'm four episodes behind, and it's already Thursday. That's going to be another two. Being six episodes behind on an OVA that's over 100 episodes is not a good feeling, especially when everyone else is watching it without you, and also people who are watching Zeta Gundam without you. Anyway, if you have any questions or concerns, questions in particular can be directed to my AskFM account, and I think that about sums it up. Thank you for listening once again to Senpai Coast to Coast. I really enjoy doing the show for you guys. Podcasting is a special part of me, as it is a special part of you. So you'll heal from me again. I can promise you that. から才能を探しに来た音楽プロデューサーなんだ。あ、そんなのを信じられないよ。しょうがない。僕のプロデュース能力を少し見せてあげるよ。え、え、マジ？プロデュースオッケー。もう帰って。<音楽><音楽><音